God be merciful to us and bless us, show us the light of his countenance and come to us. Amen. About seven years ago, my associate at the time, Whitney Kirby, preached a sermon based on a lecture that she had heard at the Heard Museum that was entitled, Why Phoenix Should Not Exist. There were all kinds of reasons given, many which were really funny. But to add to that, I remember that about a week before I moved here nine years ago, I watched the episode of that cartoon, King of the Hill, where the family goes on a road trip from central Texas to Arizona, and then they end up in one of the suburbs of Phoenix. And their young son named Bobby goes on this diatribe when he gets out of the car in Phoenix and he goes, 111 degrees, I can't believe it can get that hot, can it? And the parents look at him and go, probably. And then he keeps complaining, oh my God, it's like standing on the surface of the sun. And the mom says, this city should not exist. It's a monument to man's arrogance. And then the scene kind of ends. But what we haven't said yet is that the main reason why the city should not exist is because of water. It is extremely scarce. There are no natural sources of water nearby. And from that fundamental point is why people say Phoenix should not exist. But we do exist. We're here, and this city continues to be one of the fastest growing in America. In the ancient world, sources of water, like rivers and springs, were centers of commerce, of communication, of healing, of wellness. They were centers of life. And access to water, especially in the arid parts of the eastern Mediterranean, was absolutely vital. Great communities could not exist without it. And today's Bible readings are all about rivers and springs of life. Our first reading has Paul dreaming about the people of Macedonia needing him. And so he ends up, the story tells us, in this Roman city named Philippi, where he goes down to an area of the city by the river, and he witnesses people gathering. The story tells us mostly women. And Paul musters up somehow the courage to speak to a woman named Lydia, who is so transformed by what she hears that she and her family eventually become Christians and they invite Paul to stay with them. Now, the second reading is a very different picture something a little different. It shows us this futuristic vision of the water, the river of the water of life that flows from the throne of God. Most likely the basis for that hymn, shall we gather at the river? This river, though, is one that flows with this everlasting blessing and light. It's an existence where people no longer need the sun by day, 
or the moon by night because God is their light for all times. It's this really vibrant picture of heaven. And of course, in our gospel reading, we find Jesus at the pools of Bethzatha, or in the King James Version, Bethesda. And there Jesus sees a man who he does not know, doesn't know. But, he, but in getting to know him, finds out that for 38 years, clue from the ancient world, if something says 38 years, that means an entire lifetime. That for 38 years, for his entire life, this man hasn't had the strength to get into the water to be healed. And we know by the story that Jesus eventually heals him. But we miss something in between that. We miss the fact that the man tells Jesus, while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. While I'm making my way, someone steps down ahead of me. This phrase alone stings. Someone steps down ahead of me. I can't get to where I need to be. I can't be who I want to be. Someone steps down ahead of me. This story is taking place inside Jerusalem, inside the holiest of holy cities. And this story is holding up a mirror to whoever reads it. That even when we're minding our own business, doing our own thing, trying to do the right thing in everything that we do, but somehow, even when we don't realize that we're doing it, we are like those other people in that holy city so long ago, we are somehow stepping down ahead of someone else. Yes, we might correct ourselves at a later point, but there are a lot of times we are trained in our life to have a, a, a vision, a drive, because of something that we want, that we, we occasionally keep someone else from finding the healing and the strength and the love that they need out of life, out of God, out of their community, out of one another. We are occasionally the people in the city that step down ahead and get in the way. Now, go with me on this for a minute. The Bible rarely quotes anything from an individual unless it's really important to the overall message. So having this man tell Jesus this and say it in this way is a significant wake-up call for all of Jesus' followers. We sometimes get in the way. Sometimes we get in the way of others. Sometimes we get in the way of ourselves. It's a both and. We all do this. Think about it. In the first reading, would you have the courage to be like Paul and go to another town to talk to people who speak a different language than you do, to go down by the river kind of on the margin of the city, and talk to people down by the river about your faith? Maybe? Maybe not. Would you be, be able to establish trust, 
to be able to establish trust in a relationship with a person, a stranger, someone who's really down and out, a stranger that you see in a public place that has been stricken with an illness, you don't know what kind, with an illness for at least 38 years of their life. Jesus did. Can we? Maybe. Maybe not. How about that river of the water of life, that place of endless refreshment and blessing and love and light, that grand vision of the city of God where everyone who's ever lived worships with God with utter ecstatic joy and is, in return is given every blessing imaginable? Would we all want to do whatever it takes to get just a little bit of that? I don't think this one's a maybe, maybe not. It's definitely a yes under pretty much every circumstance. We all want that. But here's the catch. We still have to get out of the way of our own relationship with the divine in order for us to recognize God's blessing on us that much. We put all kinds of things, overthinking things, you know, imagining God wants something for us that isn't what God actually wants. We have to get out of the way of our own relationship at times with God in order to allow God to fully bless us. That's the catch number one. Then there's more. Then we also need to identify the ways in which we're keeping ourselves from establishing a real intentional presence, a real dialogue, real conversation with people whom we know, and even more importantly, with people that we don't really know. This kind of building of relationship is actually a spiritual practice. We're not doing this to be social. It's for our spiritual health because people learn about God when we build connections with other people. We have to create closer ties with people that we know, and we have to build bridges, strong connections with people whom we do not know. This is a spiritual imperative for our souls. We have to do this. And yes, there's a third part to this. And the third part is all about how St. Paul went to a foreign city and goes on this quest to discover new contacts and new people and to build relationships with them because he is being led by the Spirit of God to discover something new. He's being asked to step out of the way of his own ego and to let God lead him, lead him into a path that will take him somewhere life-giving, somewhere that mutual love for God and neighbor can be established, a place that will eventually bless him even if it initially puts him out of his comfort zone. And that same type of trust in God is what we're being asked to do as well today. So to recap, getting out of our own way to interact with God, engaging purposely with people we know and don't know as a spiritual practice, and trusting God to guide us into all truth, into all paths of righteousness. When we are able to start on a trajectory of relationship building, when we are able to begin engaging with our neighbors, known and unknown, 
when we are able to let the Spirit of God take us to the highest heights or the deepest depths or the furthest corners of the earth because we trust God that much, then we as the people of God start making the city of Phoenix here on earth look just like a little bit more like the city of God in heaven. Should the city of Phoenix exist? Maybe, maybe not, but we do exist. We are here. We, as Trinity, are the healing springs. We are the ones who lead people to the rivers of refreshment. We have a mission to fulfill, and God is inviting us to respond. God is inviting us to engage and make Trinity a beacon of the city of God here at the corner of Central and Roosevelt to make this city of God an endless source of healing and love, of refreshment and blessing for everyone everywhere. This is our call. This is our call to build up the city of God right here in Phoenix, whether we're supposed to exist or not to build the city of God right here, right now, in the rapport we build with everyone and in the courage to incorporate as a spiritual practice connecting with other people in a way that we open ourselves up to trusting that God will always lead us from a place of pure love. This is our call. And now is the time to build the city of God. Step out of the way and witness the brightness of God shine. Today, when we hear that voice of Jesus speaking to our hearts, today, when we hear, get up off your mat and walk, we get up off our mats and walk onward into the light of the city, the city of God.